Hello and welcome to Switzer Investing. I'm Peter Switzer. Thanks for joining me. And tonight's program, June Baylou of Tribeca Alpha Plus looks at three companies in particular that she likes right now. Domino's, Dexas and of course Ramsey, which is a, a company she's talked about before. And then we've got Mike Gable and Mike's looking at the charts. Is there any sign within all these charts that says the market's going to head up in the right direction? Um, certainly, I think looking at the charts uh, today, um, they're not all that great. So we may well have a bit of a longer waiting period than we like, but Michael does pick out one company in particular he thinks looks really crash hot for the future. And then last Friday, I interviewed Anthony Doyle just after that unbelievable inflation number that led to a crazy surge in the stock market. My, uh, Anthony explains that, but also underlines how important it will be when that inflation number falls, how the stock market will rebound and set the scene for a strong period of stock market growth in 2023. It's a very, very interesting interview and he makes some very important revelations. That's the show now. Let's kick off with uh, June Baylou of Tribeca Alpha Plus, followed by Mike Gable from Fairmont Equities. <laughs> Well, joining me now is June Baylou of the Tribeca Alpha Plus Fund. And I want to know how she's playing this market right now. Disappointed of that inflation number in the US last week? <laughs> Look, I'm not, I, I don't think it was all that surprising because we talked about this. Things will take time to come through. Mm -hmm. And if anything, the uh, increase in, uh, uh, in terms of basket of, uh, of goods, in terms of price increase, uh, is a little bit less. So it's coming off the, you know, the huge increases in previous months. Mm -hmm. So it is coming off just very, very slowly. Um, and um, you know, I, w I didn't think it was a, probably warrant a huge rally in the market and then sort of next day it reverses. Um, but net net, I think it's as expected, it's gonna take a little bit longer but it is gradually coming off and there's one thing though in there I ha I do, we do have to look into it a big part of the CPI I'm not sure if you know this is is the uh, home occupier equivalent rank, mm. rent yeah. so it's a theoretical number so essentially saying people who's bought their house um, and then assume what what sort of rent they'll pay if mm. they renting. Um, so it's a theoretical number and that is something like 30% of the CPI yeah. and that's gone up a lot. Yeah. A big driver of inflation. Now so at some point in the future we all know rent follows those houses prices. We know the house prices started falling in the US because of interest rate increase and rent is probably usually something between four and six month uh, sort mm. of delay. Um, and if the market rent started falling then you can see that theoretical number change quite rapidly. Mm. Mm. Yeah it's going to be very interesting, interesting to see. Particularly, I've made reference in the past to uh, Shane Oliver's pipeline of indicators for inflation. Mm. And it's been dropping for, for four or five months. That's right. And the uh, official data is just starting to drop now. We could get a, a surprise number. If we got a surprise number in November or December, would the market really react pretty strongly, do you think? Absolutely, because right now what market is pricing in, if you look at what market is assuming for the Fed interest rate, ultimate interest rate where it gets to, it's something like 5%. Yeah, <laughs> We're crazy. just not going to get there. So no. it's clearly an overreaction. There's a pessimism, there's uncertainty, plus China, um, you know, what, what's being said over the weekend, bit of disappointment 
with disappointment mm. about um, you know the uh, zero COVID policies was yeah. reiterated. Which but is not uh, good for, for costs and inflation. Oh, look, it's it's not good. Yeah. So um, so all of that together, um, I just seen the market taking a bit of risk out. Uh, but net net, if anything, you know um, there is quite a lot of negativity has been priced in. Yeah. And when you look at the low levels of growth uh, in China, mm. you know, for the stuff that they are producing, they're not really going to be in a position to be you know, overpricing because you know, the, the, mm. the world is actually even going to alternative suppliers that's right. In recent times. That's right. Um, in a way, this is um, quite interesting that China has its own, you know, restrictive policy. That's why growth has been very tough. So net net, it's actually um, positive in a way for the world um, because imagine China was going red hot in terms of economy. What would happen to yeah. the inflation numbers? Inflation, it stuff could be double. Yeah. It could be double the price, yeah. like a double digit. Oil, in particular. Exactly. So yeah. imagine if that was happening. So what would central banks do? They would up the interest rates so rapidly yeah. um, that the most may, most likely will head into a very very severe recession. Okay. What have you been buying? Oh, not lots shoes. of things. We are talking about no, shoes. shoes. Yeah, <laughs> lots of shoes, and uh, but lots of things. So, a market like this is really, um, you know, really exciting time for yeah. us. Um, easy one, easiest one to buy is that you buy quality growth businesses, yeah. um, uh, quality leaders, um, uh, the the ones that has execution, um, sort of, um, you know, proven execution over the last many years. Um, things like um, Domino's, we talked mm. about it before. Yeah. Uh, it's fallen so far. Yes, I know that potentially will be another downgrade to come because mm. Europe is a bit tough, but look, I don't buy Domino for the more near yeah. term for the next six month earnings. And yeah. if anything, this company is actually quite strengthened around the yeah. world. And recessions should be good for pizza, not bad. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so absolutely. And yeah. uh, so you'll prolong that sort of yeah. spending on that product. And they just recently, remember, they got the uh, Taiwan, the new region. So mm. that's additional okay. growth. So, you know, I think the company is in better position than it's ever been. So mm. um, it's been sold off a lot. Um, was $160 a 12 month ago. Now it's uh, 55 or yeah. less than that. And it tends historically to rebound out of big sell-offs, doesn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. So that's why it's easier to find quality growth company to buy during this sell-off because the valuation uh, D-rate story is pretty much done. Yeah. Can you imagine the terminal rate to go to 10%? No, mm. we're not going to get there. So um, I do think there's a lot of pessimism in terms of valuation story and that's pretty much done. You want to buy these businesses. Mm. However, you need to be careful the ones that might have some of the earnings issues. Mm. If it's a cyclical, so you know a lot of US growth uh, growth Nasdaq company, they're actually consumer tech. So yeah. consumer mm. tech, you just have to be a bit careful because you know they spend a lot of money on goods and stuff over the last few mm. years. And then next few years, they're gonna spend a little bit less. Mm. Uh, doesn't mean it's, it's crashing, but it's just gonna be a little bit less. And if the earnings going to um, you know downgrade over the next couple of years, then uh, this consumer tech will be a little bit tough. Um, so, but you know, you stick to your healthcare, which you know can easily buy, where it gives you good underpins, good growth in the mm. next few years. Yeah. Um, so you like CSL, is mm. CSL is yeah. good. Um, it's a very reasonable value. To, yeah. um, today had an update uh, with Bifor and uh, um, and um, and the existing business, pretty much in line with expectations. Mm. Um, and yeah, just very defensive quality companies. You can be them. a courageous buyer at times. What about Linus? Linus is is low at the moment. What do you think about Linus? Look, that's a really interesting point. Um, I do think Linus has very its. Um, 
um, a, a very interesting reserve, um, not reserve, interesting positioning, um, particularly when the world is becoming more uncertain and um, the, um, you know, the uh, bifurcation, if you like, or the separation, segregation between the, um, you know, the China and the rest mm. of the world, um, just simply because the demand for that kind of um, rare, rare, rare earth um, product is going to be outside China, mm. is going to be more and more uh, and become more and more strategic as well. So yeah. um, given China is the big producer and then outside that, there's really not much else. So, mm. um, and it's very important for future demand of, you know, your cell phones and um, all the consumer and goods. cell phones are pretty important. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so especially when the world is becoming more strategic about those critical infrastructure or critical material infrastructure, um, I do think it has a pretty good, um, a pretty good niche mm. space, yeah. Okay, what else do you like about it? Well, I think as the share price goes low, I constantly find anything. Um, one easy one is Ramsey. Um, mm. Ramsey, private hospitals, and clearly share price has now fallen way below what the even the bid price, before yeah. the bid price came in. Um, the bid well, price why do you think they dropped out on that? On that well, bid? because there's a couple of reasons. Um, so, uh, well, actually, I actually think the biggest reason is because uh, during the September period, um, obviously there's a, a few dollars differential between what boards want for the shareholder as well as and and what KKR are willing to pay three four dollars but in the scheme of things very small differential now what's really happened in September was remember the bond yield become very volatile yep. and jump significantly yep. so um, in the US um, uh, most of the uh, investment bank banks have uh, now um, struggled with um, uh, passing through or syndicating out some of the transitional loans. So normally during M&A uh, deals, investment banks will take on the debt uh, for the company and then mm. they syndicate out within two weeks, a very short term bridging yeah. loan. Um, and then normally it takes a couple of weeks, these are gone. And every month there's about 80 to 90 billion US dollars in the US market uh, for that to move through. Yeah. Um, and now in September, because the bond yield moves so quickly, um, all the investment bankers were stuck with a lot of those loans and they didn't want to take a loss on it because mm. in real economy things are okay. Um, they, they didn't want to take a loss on it so it's now taking six weeks instead of two weeks. Um, so And then there's a bit of backlog of that. So, uh, literally from then on, we haven't seen any M&A deals mm. just because it's seized up. It's, it's just that particular part of the market, very, mm. very niche. It's not real economy. It's just those loans that was written uh, for the thing is now needs a bit of time indigestion uh, to go through the market. Um, the projection is by early next year, this will clear. And what the investment banker will tell you that they're currently working on like deals across every sector. Mm. There's just opportunities everywhere. So when we get that break on inflation and the market is just revving up for a big rebound. Oh, absolutely. The M&A people want to try and get in just before them. They'll they? get in as soon as, I think as soon as they can get that release <coughs> or stabilisation of the bond yield. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. And bond yields are actually behaving as you pointed out, pretty silly at the moment. Like, oh, absolutely, yeah. uh, just lack of confidence. Mm. I think equity people um, lack confidence, equity investors, that's why it's jittery. And the bond investors are the same at yeah. this point, just because they lost so much money so far last 12 months, mm. the, the bond markets. Um, so they had just been um, very uncertain at the moment. So you're lacking confidence for people to step in mm. and support and really silly um, bond yield out there at the yeah. moment. Do you think that if, for example, what we're kind of expecting that inflation eventually drops and then interest rate rises start to dissipate and stop, that will be a good thing for bond fund managers because they've, they've now locked themselves in much higher rates 
than they were mm. when you just write standard derived. Yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, quite a lot of those um, fixed income, not that I pay a lot of mm. attention to it, but fixed mm. income actually offering very good yield at the moment yeah. with very limited risk um, and they look very attractive. But this also translates to parts of the equity market that's a little bit bond-like. Mm. So that's why you talk to the growth businesses um, because they're long duration sort of business. Yeah. Um, and when that change, when stabilization comes, they will rally very hard. And people are starting to like REITs again as well. Yeah, that's, so REITs is another sector, I believe if it stays here, um, the M&A deals will pretty much buy us half of the sector. Yeah. Um, they're just too, too many attractive yield um, opportunities at the moment. Yeah. Do you have a favorite REIT? I have quite a few, um, but I think the cheapest one at this point is Dexas, yeah. um, and Dexas is looking incredibly attractive. Um, big discount to NTA. Um, you know, premium offices still attract a lot of international investor demand, yeah. um, and um, you know, my view is that a lot of them are willing to buy just you know the long, um, the short-term indigestion of those investment banks' um, appetite for uh, M and A. It just means they probably wait till early next year. Thanks, Jim Bailu. Mm, thank you very much. That's Jim Bailu from Tobacco Alpha Plus. Welcome back, Michael. Thanks, Peter. All right, mate, um, we've been praying for a good inflation number in the US, but our prayers have not been answered. Mm. Do you think all of a sudden we will get a bit of a, a shock, surprise drop in inflation? I mean, it's inevitable that, that inflation will drop. Um, unfortunately, after last month's CPI numbers, we just have to put it off for another month now and, uh, and see what happens in next month's numbers. Um, I think a lot of us were expecting the possibility of, of a good number last week. Um, obviously shipping rates, uh, cost of shipping has, has dropped dramatically. Um, cost of lumber, uh, oil has gone down, um, US housing prices. Um, look, a range of factors suggested that we could have potentially Even seen close. a good number. Mm. It just didn't happen. So we'll just wait till next month and see if it shows up in next month's We're figures. a bit like farmers waiting for the drought to break, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, it'll, it'll break eventually. For but sure. yeah. And the market will go up. Yeah. Okay, mate, well, I've asked you to look at a number of um, uh, key um, asset uh, price movements. Let's kick off with the S&P 500 because that's the one mm. that will really take off if we can get a decent inflation number. Yeah, definitely. But unfortunately, at the moment, um, the US market is still in a downtrend. So mm. I'll point out all the uh, the bits I could see on the chart. So I'll just stand up here and, um, you know, if we just have a look at what's happened most recently, um, not much to get excited about, unfortunately. So, you know, the market fell all the way back to the June, the June lows. We know that it broke under it, tried to bounce, um, yeah. Uh, a lot of you know, a lot of commentators were saying that this bounce here had a lot to do with the RBA and the fact that we only raised rates 25 basis yeah. points. So there was yeah a bit of excitement was yeah. starting to build with with some, but um, I think we might have even spoken around here. I mean, what you need to see generally to get a tradable bounce. I mean, if we if we just ignore the you know, whether this is an ultimate low or not. Um, obviously, along the way, you've, you get these bounces that you can trade. So March, yep, June, sure. yep. and before you get one of those bounces, you usually need a bit of work to, to get done at the yep. low. So you fall to a low, you bounce, you retest it. That's what we saw here. So you, you get bounces that you can actually do something with. Mm. Um, if you just bounce too sharply, like what we saw in September, it, it doesn't follow through. It's yep. not sustainable. So. So this needed to at least give us a higher low. It didn't do that. It fell to a new low. 
again, a lot of chatter last Friday that, that the move last Thursday night in the US, because it was down about 2.5% and ended up higher, about 2.5%, um, rallying on bad news, that was a, a good sign. But, but at, at the end of the day, those CPI numbers weren't very good. So you know, the US is basically, the US market's gone back to where it was um, on Wednesday. So I don't really like what I'm seeing here. I think it needs to, if this is a low for the time being, we'll probably need to see a bit more right-hand side action, similar to in June, and then we've got some kind of bounce. Otherwise, what we need is, uh, is a capitulation. So I know a lot of people don't, uh, don't want to see that, but I think there's a possibility that we do see that, that 10% move down. what a capitulation means, because a lot of people... Everyone just starts giving up. Yeah. It's all too hard. A big drop, which is the capitulation. Yeah, yeah, yeah then exactly. The, then the smarties come and say, well, we're, we're going to buy, and they can turn the market Yeah, if this time next week, if the market's down about 10% in a week, and then we get a bounce, I'll be jumping in, yeah. ease pin back, because you usually end up with a, a pretty solid bounce. Yeah. Um, we'll see what happens. Yeah. So and data this week's going to be important. There's a September uh, US economic growth number. There's, there's also mm. a leading index and in, uh, industrial production. It's going to be interesting. Data's going to depend, determine what's going to happen to those charts. Yeah, and that, and that data might give us these sorts of bounces to trade, but I think the ultimate low, you know, going back to I think what, you know, what I've been saying for several months now, I don't think an ultimate low will be found until the market has less uncertainty, much more certainty around yeah, more certainty. what the interest rate rises are. Yeah. So, you know, either we get a cracking CPI number really low next month or the month after, and mm. the, the Fed Reserve makes it clear that there's only so many interest rate rises ahead of us, that'll be the ultimate low, the ultimate buying opportunity. Fortunately, after what happened last week, we've got to kick it down another month and see what happens. I'm looking for Jerome Powell to put on the leather jacket, the brown leather jacket like George W. Bush and yeah. stand on an aircraft carrier and say, mission complete. Yeah. That's when the market just, will really just right, take right off. Just right off in the sunset, yeah. so I don't have to see him again. No, we'll, no worries when that rises. Boom, up yeah. goes the, and he can retire. Yeah. All right, let's go to, the, I guess the Aussie market's not going to be very different. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's obviously a, an ugly chart. A lot of these huge, huge drops. I mean, he, at least our market's had a couple of capitulations along mm. the way. So we had this huge drop here and obviously a very big bounce. Mm. Um, again, they're... You know, ultimately the market gets back into its downtrend, and again the downtrend, I don't think will be over until we get that, you know, that pivot that everyone's looking for. Mm. Um, yeah, what what can we say about our market? It it went back to the June low, it bounced, but um, it's it just looks quite We're precarious. We're the leader market at this point in time. Right? Yeah, exactly, and it, it is a bit of a dangerous market. I mean, you could see 6,471 back to 64. I mean, these sorts of 10 percent swings, very very big ranges intraday. Um, usually the what I look for is for those daily ranges to um, to decrease. So I want volatility to, to really you know, get down. I want the daily ranges to to get lower as well. Um, similar to what we saw here. So when things start to settle down, you tend to have a, a bit bit more of a safer entry point. I think trying to necessarily buy these, you know, try to trade these V-shapes um, 
Yeah, it's a bit, bit dangerous. Yeah, really courageous. Yeah. Let's go to the first company, CSL, um, reported pretty well lately, uh, has very positive views about its um, acquisition. Mm -hmm. well, what's the, the chart saying? It seems to have difficulty in breaking 300. Yeah, I, I, think, I think longer term this is looking very good. So in some mm -hmm. ways I think CSL might have dropped off people's radar because mm -hmm. since the COVID lows, hasn't really done anything. So there's mm. been a lot of other stocks, other opportunities out mm. there. Um, but to me, this this is a weekly chart we've got here. To me, this looks like a big consolidation. So prior to 2020, there was a massive uptrend in CSL. And to me, it just looks like it's consolidating that move. Um, and again, what we're looking at most recently is um, the daily ranges starting to starting to narrow so it's starting to settle down here 2020 early 2021 big trading ranges very volatile but started started to settle down it's starting to to stay at the top half of this this um this trading range um it bottomed in i think february it was obviously our market bottomed over here so it's already out now it's starting to outperform the broader index um the range is which is a good sign. Mm -hmm. The ranges are settling, settling down. That's a good sign. Um, basically, if it breaks to the upside of this blue line, then you've got because this has gone on for two years, you will have a you'll have a rally that will last at least several months. It'll be a, a very you could see CSL with a four in front of it um, potentially by the end of next year if it breaks out. Okay. Now, for a bit of precedence, if we go back to 2018 when we had rate hikes, CSL being a growth stock was under pressure. As soon as we got that um, Fed pivot and they said 2019 will be cutting rates um, four times during mm. the year, not, not raising rates. Mm. In 2019, CSL basically put on about um, 50%. So it could, it could really get going. Mm. It's not necessarily a buy yet. If you want to play safe, just wait for, it to, for this to resolve. If it breaks up here, then so, so once it has a nice break through three hundred, it's on. Yeah, yeah. it's on for young and old and yeah. for technical analysts like you. All right, let's go to Cothlinex, CIH. So in some ways, you might think the chart is similar to yeah. to CSL, but what I just see here is just a lot more, a lot more volatility. So. Cochlear needs to be calming down, but it's not. I mean, the daily ranges in this thing are amazing. A couple mm. of weeks ago, it was down 5% in one day on no news. It's, to me, it's still very, very vulnerable. Um, and what I've noticed on this weekly chart is it seems to be coming back to this, these levels here, around $190. To be bullish, it needs to be staying away from support, not sitting around support mm. because- 190 being support. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's a misconception out there that the more you test the support level, the stronger it is. It's actually the opposite. The more you test it, the more likely a stock will break through mm -hmm. it. And, and it's true with resistance to the upside. So if a stock is really struggling to get through an upper level over a long period of time, it doesn't mean that's a, a strong ceiling. To me, I'd, I'd watch that like a hawk because once it breaks that level, Again, it's, you're off to the races. So with this one, uh, it's not really trading correctly. Again, if we go back you know, a few years or so ago, we could see this trend was beautiful. Very nice ranges, yep. just nice sustainable trend. And now it's just become so messy. Because it's a growth company too, isn't it? Yeah, but it's um, for, you know, for whatever reason, 
uh, it looks like investors are more happy to buy CSL than, than Cochlear in this market environment. But, and probably Cochlear hasn't got a new story. At least CSL came out with a new story with the acquisition of that Swiss business. Yeah. Uh, and also we ought to know that um, a lot of people wouldn't uh, give blood during the COVID period as well. So there's probably a lot more mm. going for CSL. Yeah, probably yeah. Yeah, a few more catalysts compared to, yeah. compared to Cochlear. Let's go to the next one, and that is Linus. Um, so again, a bit of a messy chart, very volatile. Um, and to me, that means a bit of danger. So look, I've, I'm keeping an eye on this. I know I've traded this one before. Mm. It's a great it's a great stock to trade. Obviously, Linus, largest rare earths producer outside of China, um, signing contracts with the US government. It's, it's, got, it's got the story ahead of it. Mm. It's just a, a case of trying to find the right entry point. To me, this looks like a stock that's likely to get lower. Um, the share price is likely to go lower. Um, if this is a low, it really needs to, to settle down again. I want to see a um, bit more right-hand side action here. Um, if we have a look all the way back here in 2021, we could see similar situation, very volatile, mm. but then it started to yeah. narrow out. We started to get these higher lows. Um, and I remember trading this breakout. Um, we just don't have that yet here. So we could be patient worth keeping an eye on, but um, to me this still looks quite, yeah. quite you, dangerous. You need more action around that $7.30 mark, uh, convincing one before the tax off. It keeps dropping down a bit. Yeah, or it might even, yeah, it might even drop, drop back down here into yeah. the sixes and then level out. Okay, let's go to TPG. We know Telstra's had a bit of a, a good run, mm. um, and we know Optus is having a few problems. So is TPG looking positive or not? <laughs> It's uh, terrible. Yeah, it's it looks terrible. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's just going down and I don't see anything that to me indicates that will stop just yet. Uh, obviously, I have this big sell-off here. Yeah. I, in my opinion, when you see a sell-off like that, you're better off just getting out. I know it's hard. Your stock's down 20%. You're trying to rationalise mm. what, it's, what it's really about. Um, but I think more times than not, it leads to, to further downside, um, even if it's not evident straight away. I mean, it did have a big drop here. Um, you know, it, did, it did sort of bounce at one stage, but um, we could see that the overall trend has been down. So, yeah, look, I don't really I have much to add on this. The would would be the announcement that David Teo is coming back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they need something. I mean, with uh, you mentioned the Optus um, saga. Mm. that. That hasn't helped the share price. Mm. I mean, maybe when was it announced here? Perhaps had one day up. Uh, needs to do better than that. No. Okay, let's go to on the same subject, Telstra. Yeah, Telstra. I mean, I'm not a fan of the stock. Long term, it's a capital destroyer, isn't it? Has been. Um, Is it a different beast now? In terms of the way it's been trading since June, this is a weekly chart. Mm. What I've been picking up on is. Basically, it looks like investors are pretty happy to, to dump it when there's a four in front of it. Mm. Um, and there is a little bit of buying support around here, around this sort of 380-ish mm. region. So ultimately, as we could see, it's not, it's not trending if we just look back at the last 12 months. It is stuck in this, in this range. Um, I've probably got a bit more of a negative bias in terms of the way it's trading because when it tried to recover here, that was that was pretty solid selling. 
uh, it couldn't get anywhere near the old high. Mm. And now it's back down to these levels where it's previously found support. Um, yeah, it just remains to be seen. If it gets above $4 again, and once again gets a lot of selling pressure, um, to me that'll be um, a lot more confirmation that, that it, it just it just won't go much mm. higher than that. So. I, I, I didn't bounce you for the stock that you like, but do you have one at the moment that seems to be heading mm. in the right direction? Not at the moment, Peter. I think the way the broader market's trading, I'd rather mm. um, not initiate any new positions at mm. the moment, um, unfortunately. Which is news in its own right when you haven't got one that's... Yeah, I mean, you might as well just mm. save your capital then. Mm. I'd rather wait for the, the better... Um, the better probability trades. Um, I think the way the market is at the moment, it, you know, it does drag most stocks with it. So sure, there'll, we'll, there'll be stocks out there over the next week if the market falls that will go up. But you know, if we're talking, you know, 5% of stocks go up, mm. I'd, rather, I'd rather shoot for, for opportunities when that, that number's a lot higher. So. Um, yeah, it just, I just want to see how this, this market resolves itself and when we've got a bit of that tide behind us. Yeah. As I showed before on that S&P 500 chart, there were periods so far this year, March, um, sort of July, where you just had that, that tide of the market behind you and it just makes it easier to make money than, yeah. um, than at the moment. There's too many headwinds and you're looking for tailwinds to um, you know, change your attitude. Yeah, ultimately. And um, yeah, look, hopefully we've only got a few more months of this. Hopefully... You know, next month CPI numbers are good, and then the month after that, and then we get a movement in interest rates. And 2023 could be fantastic. Mm. Well, I think it pretty pretty much will be fantastic. It's just a case of waiting out to then and not losing your shirt. And one last question on that related issue. I'm of you, uh, the same point of view. When you see a big sell-off, the US market's down over 25%. That, that's pretty well what recessions do to the US stock market on average. We see after that, there's a big rebound of the market. Mm. And so America could be in recession in 2023, but the stock market could be rising. Yep. That's, that's not um, historically um, unusual, is it? That's, that's right, it's, it's, it's normal. So right. the market looks ahead six to 12 months. Yeah. So it'll, and, and we'll see these headlines. So we'll have headlines about we're in, in recession. We're in recession, but the US, uh, but the share market goes up. It doesn't make sense. Um, it, yeah, it, it rallies it, when you're in recession. Usually, that's the bottom yeah. of the market, yeah. um, and it'll continue. And what gets that rally even more sustainable is the fact you'll get a lot of investors sitting on the sidelines, waiting for good news, waiting for the newspapers to say the economy's okay. But by then, the market's already rallied. 30, 40% and then they start coming in yeah. um, because they're realising they're missing out, just as we saw a couple of years ago with COVID yeah. off the lows uh, and then that just sustains the, the, the rally even more. Yeah, Mike, thanks for joining. Thanks, Peter. Mike Gable from Fenlight Equities. Anthony, thanks for joining us. Cheers, Peter. Thanks. Now, we're doing this on Friday, one day after a, a crazy um, stock market reaction to an ordinary inflation number in the US, 8.2. It was down a little bit, 8.3, mm. but the experts thought at least a 7.9 there was a chance. But the market went up big time. 
Were you a bit surprised? It's one of those crazy sessions overnight. So I was uh, coming in on the bus and reading the AFR article about the market reaction saying that the market had tanked. Mm. I got into my desk and uh, one of the portfolio managers said, "What? how good was the market last night? I said, what are you talking about? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it goes to show you that in the short term, there are um, very, very short-term factors, um, such as algorithmic buying, technical buying, hedging activity going on, and they can really dominate market moves in the short term. And I think what we saw last night was the market had actually declined to half its total gain since COVID, yeah. and that was a key technical level yep. for a lot of funds to close out their short positions, and you saw a lot of short covering, which resulted in the market rallying significantly, a 5% mm. turnaround. Because oh, there are normal people watching this, I don't know what you're talking about. Short covering and stuff like that. Just it's just the way it is. We're not going to waste our time explaining that. But the bottom line is, sometimes there are sort of technical reasons why people have to buy, even though they might think next week the market could go down. Do you think the market will go down next week? Oh well, I, come I, on, be right. <laughs> next week, I've got no idea. Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes it's actually easier to forecast the long run than it is the very short run. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, you know, there are ways to make money from the equity market going up. Yeah. Um, when I talk about people being short, they're making money from the market going down. Okay. Let me tell you the different way I lead my life. You know, you get on a bus, you read a newspaper. How old is this guy? <laughs> no, not the baby. It was on my, an app oh, on my okay, phone. Yeah, yeah. On phone. Okay. Um, so I, I, I forgive you for that. But then, you know, the way I live my life is that, you know, I wake up a lot earlier than you and I go to my phone straight away, and I look to the uh, stocks that I watch and the indexes I watch, and we're had Dow, it was green. So my instant thinking was, if that was you, what I saw, what would you have thought, the Dow was up, what would you have thought about the inflation number? Well, today, yeah. it is all about bad news is good news. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you would have expected the that. Inflation the inflation number was better than expected, exactly. the market yeah. reacted that way. Yeah, exactly. But what I found fascinating when you, you know, unlike you, while you're on the bus, I'm watching US business TV, which you can do on the bus with your, your of course, phone. Yes. And one woman, um, an expert from one of the, the leading investment banks, said, You've got to remember that rent, which is a, was a big problem, yeah. Yeah. is old data. Yes. And, and I, think, I think the ABS, well, the ABS, the American um, uh, station, BLS, yep. BLS, they're behind. They're behind what's really going on in the market now, because it was. A September number, wasn't it? Yeah, and it's sure. now October. Yeah. And I know uh, Shane Oliver with his AMP pipelines indicate it's been falling for about three or four months. Yeah. Do you, you, you're your history, you're an economist, yes. you work for a lot of institutions. We often do get that surprise. Eventually, a statistician catches up with what's going on. Yeah, and markets are entirely forward looking, yeah. um, but we have forward looking what we call lead indicators and we have lagging indicators. Yeah. And the focus on inflation and the unemployment rate, which is where central banks have their focus, is famously a lagging indicator. Um, so you want to be looking at some of those leading indicators like consumer confidence yeah. or what house prices are doing yeah. and assess um, where the economy is going from those. Has the Fed got the courage to rely on leading rather than uh, lagging? Because at the moment, their 0.75% are based on their fear that inflation might stay around for too long. Yeah. Therefore, they have to overkill. But do you think they could overkill the US into a recession they don't have to have? Well, interestingly, if you look at how the RBA has reacted relative to the Fed, yeah. um, the Fed probably doesn't have the same sort of conviction that inflation will moderate mm. that the RBA mm. does. Yeah. 
Um, and they are so fearful in the US of setting off another huge rally in equity markets mm. because that's the main way that they uh, impact consumer spending. It's yeah. via equity markets, declining. The stock market. Because everyone's on fixed rate mortgages. Yeah. And guess what they did in COVID? They repriced their fixed rate mortgages at historic lows mm. for 30 years. Yeah. They're, so la they're laughing all the way not to the bank. Well, higher rates don't, don't impact yeah. uh, the average American household. So that's how they, they like to lower yeah. household wealth via that channel, via yeah. equity markets. Okay. So um, when people say to me, oh, Pete, I've, I've lost you know, 8% or 10% of my portfolio, I don't know whether I can cope with this. I invariably say, well, how much income did you make this year? And they often give me a surprise. Their income was actually quite good. Yeah. But, and their loss is really on paper for many of these people because they, they probably gained two, two three, four, for five years. Since the coronavirus, they went down, but then they came up and they've gone down yeah, again. Yeah, sure. Do you, are you suspecting that 2023 will be a rebound year for the stock market, whether it starts late or whatever, but once interest rate rises are over, and, everyone's and people are seeing inflation coming down, you know, seven, six, five, and whatever. Do you think the stock market will rebound nicely? I think inevitably, when there is some sort of certainty that interest rate hikes are coming to an end, that that will bode well for investor sentiment and optimism. So today, I, I looked at investor sentiment numbers out of the US, um, and they're at historic lows for a survey that has come that was initiated in 1986. Right. So worse than 1987, yeah. worse than the tech crash, worse than the GFC, worse than COVID. That mm. goes to show you how extremely pessimistic investors are. And inevitably, when we've seen investor sentiment this poor, the equity market in the next 12 months has delivered double digit That's returns. Right. So it's a really low number on investment sentiment. You often do see a rebound, don't you? Well, exactly yeah. right. And th that goes to show you some of the price action that we saw overnight as well. Yeah. Um, when everyone is crowded to one side of the boat, yeah. uh, inevitably people start to run to the other side and they start to, to yeah. equalise the boat. Or tip it over entirely. entirely. <laughs> exactly. um, so this is a really important point then. Um, if, you, if you put all this sort of information together, uh, and you've got a global, a global oriented fund for fire trail. Um, are you, are you buying the dip? Oh, I love this one. Selling the rip. Have you come across that before? Of course. Yeah, it's, yeah. So it's pretty new, of course. Yeah, I mean, global equities are a fantastic asset class for Australian investors yep. to to help them deliver on their long term investment mm -hmm. goals and savings goals. Yep. And we believe you should be fully invested throughout the cycle. It's so difficult to time turning points. And in many ways, this is a better market to invest in than it was when the market was ripping higher was on you and it was expensive. Yeah. Um, so there are businesses today that you can identify that will give you double digit returns over the next five years, which is our investment yeah. time horizon. And some people, and I bet you even your family members are ringing and saying, Anthony, I'm worried about recession. You know, I watch the ABC, I yeah. listen to radio, I'm scared. You know, I've got, uh, you know, Beijing wants to invade Taiwan, you've got the idiot in uh, Russia, you know, doing terrible things to Ukraine. Mm. How can you be so confident that the market will rebound? What do you say to those people? Well, I look at economic history and yeah. stock market history and if you invested, for example, in global equities, similar statistics for the ASX 200. Mm. 
on a total return basis, capital appreciation plus income. Right. If you extend your time horizon out to five years, uh, in terms of monthly observations, an investor has always had a positive return. Mm. No matter if you invested the day before the COVID crisis, mm. the day before the GFC, mm. the day before Black Monday in 1987, if you invest on any given day, in the market can be up, the market up. can be down. Right. Exactly. Right. And this is when we talk about, I mean, often when markets are uh, in a bull market, people will tell me, oh, I'm a long-term investor. Right. I'm happy to extend my time horizon. Inevitably, when you get those concerns, which are always with us, there are always concerns. Climb in the wall of worry. Then that is when uh, investor timelines, they collapse to what's going to happen next week, yeah. what's going to happen by Christmas. Right. Um, so you need to really, I mean, we're avoiding companies that have very poor balance sheets. Yeah. We're avoiding companies that are overexposed to the consumer. It is going to be a far more difficult operating environment, but the good companies, this is a prime time for them to expand market share <coughs> and maybe even start to think about a bit of M&A for okay. some of their competitors. Okay, so you, you got a new ETF. Do, yes. This is a free ad for this guy. Right? <laughs> Tell us about your ETF. So I was down at the ASX on Tuesday ringing the bell. Um, yeah. So I can't guarantee that's the end of the bear market, um, yeah. you know, but yeah. uh, I was down there ringing the bell. Yeah. The active ETF, it's an active ETF. So it's so a you select the companies? Yes, 25 to 35 uh, companies, yep. high conviction, what we call concentrated. Yep. The ticker is called S3GO, S3GO. Okay. It's called the Firechild S3 Global Opportunities Fund. Okay. And S3 stands for the characteristics we look for in companies yep. before they enter into the portfolio. Yep. Two are financial and one is sustainability related. Mm. So the financial metrics are we want sustainable business models, yep. we want sustainable earnings as share prices follow earnings. Mm. And on the ESG side, the environmental, social and governance side, we're looking for companies that are helping to make the world better. What we describe as sustainable, positive classic change. Classic company. One classic company. Come on. One company that we own. Uh, so one company that we own know, that we <laughs> that we love at the moment is a company called Weyerhaeuser. Yeah. Have you heard of it? Never. No. Weyerhaeuser. Weyerhaeuser, 120 year old Where company listed on the New York Stock Exchange, okay. headquartered in Seattle, the largest private landowner of forests in the United States. Okay. It's a timber reit. Yeah. How long has it been going? For? 120 years. I bet you they love Theodore Roosevelt because he was very good for environment, wasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, the big opportunity for Weyerhaeuser, they're a lumber company, lumber. but they can begin to sell carbon credits into the US carbon market. Okay. The current price of carbon in the US, $12 a tonne. If it reaches, as we expect it will, $25 a tonne, carbon, um, Weyerhaeuser actually have a choice to make. Will they keep cutting down the trees? or will they leave them in the ground and monetize that opportunity? Mm. If they stop cutting down trees for lumber, mm. well then the lumber price and should appreciate. And you're saving costs as well. Exactly, so that's, that's one company that we really like in okay. our portfolio we'll give today. You an idea. And of course, um, there's some competition or something as well? What yes, called? yes, of course. So in line with the, uh, the launch of yeah. the active ETF, mm. S3GO on the Australian Stock Exchange, we're offering people the chance to win $2,000 in the fund as well. Of dollars units. or units? Units, $2,000 okay. worth of units. And what's units. a unit going to sell for anyway? Pardon? What, what, what will a unit sell for? Today, $4.20. Okay. $4.20. So you're yeah. getting a little less than 500 units. Yeah, so uh, $2,000, you just put in your details. Visit firetrail.com yeah. uh, to enter that competition. This, it sounds like an ad, but he is working for nothing, so I'll go and give you <laughs> something. That's Anthony Doyle from Firetrail. 
And that's the show for tonight. Thanks for joining me. Don't forget, if you want more deeper analysis on the stocks to invest in or the stocks to drop, have a look at switzerreport.com.au. Thanks for joining me. See you on Thursday.